always say that you should do it and this is exactly what I practice, you know, always practice what you uh, preach. And I would say that uh, when it comes to, to your motivation, this is my own ambition that I want to be the hardest working mm-hmm. guy or girl in the room. And um, it doesn't matter, you know, people can be like twice as intelligent as me or whatever. But, you know, from my perspective, I always wanted to, to, to be among the hardest working people. Hi guys, my name is Russell and I'm here today with Duke O. Duke, before we start the episode, please introduce yourself and let me know what would be maybe the catchphrase of your life. Uh, yeah, well, first of all, thanks for the invitation. Uh, yeah, my name is Duke. I'm 33 years old. Um, based here in Frankfurt right now. And uh, yeah, I'm working at the um, Paul Kepler Verlag mm. and also work for the FOM University of uh, uh, Economics. And uh, we well, <laughs> my catchphrase of life is maybe something like work hard, play hard. <laughs> Very good. Um, so what we want to do in this episode is go through your life and understand how you went into the blockchain space. Sure. Maybe starting with your childhood. Can you explain how was your life as a child? Well, obviously, I did not start a blockchain and all my path in childhood. But uh, I mean, when I was young, there was no Internet. So I'm, mm. I'm the one who's uh, very familiar with the life before Internet mm. and before Web2, so to say. And uh, yeah, it's, it started quite simple, I would say. Uh, obviously, when you look at my name, I'm, I have a, a Vietnamese background. I think my parents came around like the 1970s to Germany. They came as the so-called boat people. Mm-hmm. So uh, they were refugees at, at that time. And life was pretty simple if I uh, look back to it. Uh, we didn't have much money, you know. I have three siblings, so we were like four children and my parents. Uh, doing their jobs and struggling all their lives. So I would say it was pretty tough, um, yeah, considering all in comparison to today, because mm-hmm. nowadays life is so convenient and so simple and you can do whatever you want. And it's always like getting more, getting higher, you know, mm-hmm. achieve more. And back then, when I look at my parents, they really struggled and I have like biggest respect for them to get through it and, you know, like to, to provide for us. And now everyone has a good job. and. I would say, yeah, that's quite, yeah, in a nutshell, like how, how my youth was and how I grew up. Mm. What was maybe the typical day for you coming from school, uh, home? Well, back then, <laughs> <laughs> again, uh, I, I know the times before the internet. When I came back, it was around, I don't know, 1 or 2 p.m. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's very, uh, yeah, I would say my parents were always at work. So mm-hmm. me and my siblings were basically alone watching TV, watching Adult <laughs> Why or whatever. And uh, all the talk shows nowadays, uh, you don't have it anymore. But uh, I think that was my typical day and uh, it was tough. But, you know, nowadays when you when I'm home, you know, there's like lots of things you can do. You can go on YouTube, you can learn new stuff, you can watch Netflix, you can watch this and that. And uh, like there's like so many options. But back then, I, in my opinion, you didn't have that much. Mm. So, uh, yeah, that was my typical day. Mm. But was there some signs that you were always maybe technical oriented or technical interested? Not at all. I was totally uh, into sports. So uh, I played handball for many, many years in the team. Uh, that was always my goal or my dream to, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> to be successful with that. But obviously it didn't work out, but it's totally fine. So I was never a technical guy, but also my parents, we didn't have much money. So I never had a computer or a PlayStation or a Nintendo back then. So 
it's just it was a simple life. You can just go outside, play yeah. in the nature, read a book, maybe uh, meet someone. Uh, but there was like definitely no technical aspects. Mm -hmm. When was the first time you used a computer, and what was the feeling of using it? I don't know uh, which year it was, but mm -hmm. I remember that my oldest brother, he's now 43. Uh, one day he brought like a Commodore. Uh, that was a huge thing, and you know, you can play all the little games in that. Uh, I think this was like my first experience with a computer and how it works. But I think, I don't know, I think there was some, I think it was like even before I, I, I went to uh, high school. Mm, interesting. Um, now, let us move a little bit on. Um, if you speak about your university path, education mm. path, how you would you say was it structured or what kind of path did you <laughs> <Yeah>. go? <laughs> Yeah, that's a good question. So um, maybe I start that, you know, after school, after I finished my abitur, uh, I was, I think, I was the last one to, to do civil services or yeah. army. Uh, I did civil services and after one year, I started working at Commerzbank. I did my apprenticeship for two years. And after the apprenticeship, I started to work in, you know, advising or advising private clients. And back then I started um, studying, like besides mm -hmm. working at the FOM University and I'm very glad and very happy that they exist because I think they have a very fair offer and a good pricing, you know, for people to afford it. Um, and uh, this is what I did. So I, I, was, I wasn't a classical student with all the student life and all the fun parts, you know, uh, 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 which comes along with the, with the study life. But I went to university after, you know, after I finished work mm. in, the, in the weekends, of course. And uh, yeah, I, I, I spent a lot of time doing that. Even now until today, I'm not finished yet. So I did my bachelor's, I did my master's. Then I went half a year at a university in China teaching mm -hmm. there. And then I went to Spain at university. And right now um, I'm doing my PhD in digital assets and robot advisory. And uh, well, I'm almost finished now. Uh, probably I tried to submit it, my dissertation uh, before Christmas. Mm -hmm. So it's now 12 years in total or 13 years right now and i uh, can't uh, can't wait to finish my studies finally yeah super interesting and um maybe maybe a difficult question but would you do it again would you go the same way with the education birth of all the steps that you took uh, i'm not quite sure because i sacrificed a lot of uh, quality time you know i could have spent it with my family with my friends Doing, you know, having more fun, doing more parties, of course, all the things you, you want to do and uh, to experience. So uh, it was really a struggle, even until today, you know, uh, always having something in the back of your mind and, uh, you know, always thinking of university work and this and that and exams and all this stuff. So it was tough, but I would say it's also good because when you, yeah, when you get through it, it's fine and you feel much better and, you know, all the hardships and the challenges, it really shapes you and shapes your mind and your mindset. And uh, I think I would do it again because when I look, some of my best friends, you know, they, they come from a very good family. They have, uh, you know, the financial background to, mm -hmm. to go to a very good uh, university. For instance, two of my good friends, they uh, study at uh, St. Gall in mm -hmm. Switzerland. And uh, back then, I remember uh, it was the idea after my apprenticeship at Commerzbank if I also wanted to join them in St. Gall, but I, I never, it was never possible because my parents don't have the money for that. And, you know, it's really tough. And so I couldn't afford it. And uh, 
um, yeah, so um, it's it's a big thing, but um, yeah, it's uh, yeah that's my my path into academics, and uh, I would do it again. Yeah, I think so. And uh, yeah, as I told you before, because it really shapes your mindset mm. and what you do. And I'm used to to work hard, you know, to achieve something, and uh, nothing is for free, and you know, don't take anything for granted. So um, yeah, I would do it again. I would also recommend people to do it. Let us talk maybe a little bit about mindset. Yes. So how would you describe your own mindset, and what is maybe important? Yeah, my mindset is, you know, to never complain and to just get shit done, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, when I look, I also like teach at university and look at the students and some of them, you know, they grew up like very good, you know, they never had like hardships in their life or challenges. And I always preach to them that, you know, uh, it's good to, you know, to make mistakes, uh, not to expect everything for free and to work hard for your goals, you know, and, you know, your dreams. Um, and uh, yeah, uh, I always say that you should do it and this is exactly what I practice, you know, always practice what you uh, preach and I would say that uh, when it comes to, to your motivation, this is my own ambition that I want to be the hardest working mm -hmm. guy or girl in the room and um, it doesn't matter, you know, people can be like twice as intelligent as me or whatever, but you know, from my perspective, I always wanted to To, to be among the hardest working people. And uh, yeah, I try that every day to, to live up to it. Mm, super interesting. And now maybe let us shift a little bit more to blockchain. Yeah. One of the main topics uh, of, of this podcast series. What was the first experience with Bitcoin, Ethereum and the whole space? Yeah, I think it was like around 2017, I guess. Mm. You know, when, when you are the banker in your, you know, in your, uh, you know, in your, small group you know of people like all my friends then they always come to you and ask hey do you have any recommendations for mm. for my money you know should i invest in this etf or in this stock or whatever and uh, they start to ask me like about bitcoin and like you know should i invest in bitcoin i was like i have no idea what bitcoin is so that was 2016 or 17 i'm not quite sure anymore and i said like i have no idea what bitcoin is and uh, uh, but i promise i will look into it mm. so and i did that and um when i i did that I realized that, oh, okay, there's something new coming. There's like a new technology behind it. And uh, I have no um, yeah, knowledge in that. So I fell into that rabbit hole, you know, mm. <laughs> and uh, always, uh, yeah, try to learn more about it. And this is, was the time when I first invested in that. Um, I think I used a wallet called BRD or Brad. I think it doesn't exist anymore today because I think it was bought by Coinbase, mm. I guess. And uh, this is where I did my first transaction. And... Uh, And yeah, from that time on, I, I just started to, to do more and more and to, to change from normal digital topics into like DLT related topics. Also in my academic work, I'm writing about like digital assets and robot advisory. And uh, I just fell into it. And it's so it's on the one hand, it's very nice because so much to learn. It's never boring, never uninteresting. But on the other hand, it's also very hard to keep up with all the developments and all the things happening around the globe. Uh, yeah, so uh, it's uh, until today it keeps me very busy, mm -hmm. and uh, yeah, this I think 2016 or 17 I started mm. my path. Yeah, and if you speak maybe about, let us take maybe three cryptocurrencies. Uh, for example, what's your opinion about Bitcoin, Ethereum, and I know you're a big fan about Tezos. So uh, yeah. what's maybe the opinion about those three? Uh, I think when it comes to like you know store value. Uh, I definitely prefer Bitcoin and mm -hmm. I think Bitcoin is from all the coins I have, well, I know and I hope Bitcoin is probably uh, yeah, the 
yeah, the big, I'm the biggest fan of Bitcoin mm -hmm. because I truly believe that Bitcoin is the only one who's, which is really decentralized, you know, like sure. no central structures or so, like one entity or one person like controlling it and, you know, steering it into a certain direction. So for sure, Bitcoin uh, with all the Bitcoin Lightning Network and around that, it's, it's really nice what's happening around that. Um, yeah, Ethos number two. Mm -hmm. uh, well, let me say that all the other altcoins, they are okay, like Ether or the Ethereum, but it's like no real decentralized uh, world or, you know, decentralization. So I sometimes I struggle with the term of DeFi or decentralized finance because in truth, it's not really decentralized. Mm -hmm. uh, it's, it's, it's to some degree, it's centralized. And so maybe call it open finance or whatever, but it's not really decentralized. But that's another thing. Um, so Ether is really good because I believe in all the um, smart contracts industry that, you know, processes will be uh, optimized. Uh, so I like that about it. And of course, yeah, teasers or tests. It's just really, um, I'm a big fan of art, physical ones and also digital ones, or especially digital ones. And um, I like Tezos blockchain because it's very, uh, it's, it's a good one. It's easy to use. Uh, it's also very cost efficient, you know, for a normal guy like you and me mm -hmm. to invest in something. Um, so I really like that. And I also like the platforms like, like FX Hash, Colorment and all the generative uh, NFT platforms. I really uh, like that. And uh, I can always recommend to people if they ask me to go and check it out. It's very simple. And, but of course, I always started like with everyone else with Ethereum, with OpenSea. And uh, I think I told you the story that, uh, you know, I love martial arts and I love boxing and everything around it. And I bought like two original NFTs from Mike Tyson. Mm -hmm. and, um, and But at that time, uh, when they launched it, the gas fees were really high. And it was like for one purchase, I paid like around 100 or 150 US dollars, like just for gas fees. So it was a real pain in the ass, and um, but I did that. But in the end, you know, I said like it's it's really not good, so it's not very uh, yeah customer friendly maybe. Uh, so I started to look for alternatives, and Tezos was the one I found uh, by accident. It's it's really good. Interesting. And would you say you are active in one of those communities? Uh, not really active. I'm more like a um, silent observer. Mm. So. Uh, I'm present definitely in all the channels, you know, and all the Discord channels and Reddit groups and whatever. And I follow them, but I'm, I'm not really active, I would say. But, you know, it's just because I don't have much time. So, you know, I have like sure. a full-time job to do. I teach at university. I'm doing my PhD and I do some of the uh, private uh, blockchain projects. So it's not much time. And then I have, a, of course, you know, I'm in a relationship. <laughs> I want to see my, my friends, I want to see my nephew. So it's all tough to, you know, to, to juggle and to, to keep everything in balance. So uh, it's really tough, but it's good that, you know, uh, to, to be in a community or to meet, go to meetups and, you know, just to talk with other people who are interested in the same thing and uh, to just keep it alive, like the conversation about DLT and DeFi. Yeah, I completely agree. It's, it's a really tough time to yeah. go to every event and um, today we are as well at a community event um, yes. about NFTs. Um, but of course, you always need the time to do this. And that's uh, really difficult sometimes. Maybe let's move on. What are you doing today? And uh, let us speak a little bit about your work experience in the Web3 blockchain space. Yeah. So um, maybe before I start what I do today. So I was, uh, for 13 years, I worked for Commerzbank. It was really, really a good experience. Uh, very good memories and in my last position i was a project manager in the digital strategy department and nowadays i work for a company which is called capital for Lack. 
together with CEO Michael Reuter. We know from we know each other from the Commerzbank time. And what we do is we uh, represent the family shareholders of VM Gruppe or VM Daten Service. So it's a company in a nutshell is like a financial data provider. So we provide the banking industry or the financial industry with uh, vital financial data so they can do their business or they can fulfill regulatory uh, requirements. Um, so this is what we do. And uh, my job is to, um, yeah, to assist them in doing the digital transformation and also to keep an eye on uh, DeFi, on DLT and how they can use it. And uh, of course, it speaks for itself that a company which uh, holds like uh, financial data and is wor working a lot with big data, it makes sense to think of the next evolutionary step, I would say, to go into DeFi and DLT and to look how they can serve uh, yeah, the DLT uh, ecosystem so it can grow and you know, innovate. Mm. What would you say are the biggest obstacles at the moment? Uh, I think there are many, but the biggest one is definitely uh, the lack of, uh, of the regulatory um, framework. Mm. So um, as of now, of course, everyone is talking about uh, FTX and you know, Terra Luna and all the scams happening. And I think this is like the biggest hurdle you have to uh, overcome. Um, you know, I'm, I'm a traditional company, a traditional finance guy. So um, uh, we know how regulatory works. You know, banks are, you know, monitored by BaFin and all the stuff. But if you look at DeFi and DLT or crypto companies, uh, yeah, they almost have no regulation at all. So you always say like something like Wild West and it's really true. So you need that and you need regulatory requirements. And it's something I regard as something positive. It's not a bad thing. So it's really good. And once there is like Mika and all the other things going on and maybe on the global scale in America and uh, in the other parts of the world, I do believe that true adoption or mass adoption will be possible. But until then, I think it's really tough to, to accomplish. And so I really like to observe how it develops and how it grows. And hopefully uh, regulatory requirements will be good, will be balanced and not too strict, you know, to, uh, to uh, yeah, prevent innovation. Um, okay, super interesting. What are your goals with them in the next couple of years? Yeah, of course, we have like a huge agenda and a roadmap what we want to achieve. I want to disclose too much, but of course, what we want to do is we, or my goal is to assist them, you know, and in partnering up with the, uh, yeah, with the, you know, DeFi ecosystem, looking out for strong partners to work together on, on specific use cases and try to serve the community and, you know, like to come up with new nice products or services, you know, that we all in the end will benefit from it. So. This is what my vision, but also the vision of my boss, is you know like to yeah to help the the uh, uh, like the building the bridges between the traditional old world mm -hmm. and the new world and uh, yeah and I believe that it's it's only possible in a very balanced way you know um, I love Bitcoin I love DLT I believe in that you know but I'm not a hardliner you know so I do believe in the old world I do believe in the in the new world you can go buy it together it's not like a competition where you know one will die and one will survive i think it's it's a very good thing that you can partner up with and it uh, it will create uh, new opportunities i guess though if you're speaking about the new world i think at the moment for me there are three really hot topics metaverse nfts and DeFi. what is maybe the hottest topic for you and 
What is your ranking? <laughs> yeah, it's very obvi obvious if you understand the nature of my business. So I'm very invested into DeFi. It's definitely number one, the most interesting to uh, develop new products, new services based, you know, on DLT. So uh, I think that's the biggest one. Yeah. The second one, in my personal opinion, is uh, NFTs. I love everything about NFTs because I really like art. Yeah. Uh, I think I mentioned it before, and you know, I like to invest in physical art, but also in digital art. And um, I don't know. I believe that uh, NFTs has it has a huge potential, you know, to in terms of marketing perspective, in terms you know of building communities, you know, providing NFTs with certain yeah, it's like special benefits or perks is the next big thing, I would say, in marketing. So, uh, yeah, clever companies should take a look at that to see how they can come up with a new strategy for building communities or even to reach new target groups. I think this is a very big one. And uh, what was the last one? <laughs> <laughs> so we had NFTs, DeFi and the Metaverse. Oh, yeah, this is now this is the reason why I forgot it because, uh, yeah, you know, Metaverse, I'm not quite sure. I'm not finished yet with my final decision you know mm. on, or my final opinion because you know i checked out roblox i checked out decentraland you know and the sandbox and for me i don't see any value yet mm. so you know i would can, i can always change my mind but until today or by uh, by ever as of now uh, i don't see any relevant use case uh, not for myself you know as a private person but also not for my company uh, I'm working for so um, yeah it's quite tough you know I, I'm a huge gamer you know I don't know if you knew but uh, you know I love everything about games and playing and you know uh, I'm a really nerd when it comes to that you know I played Minecraft for many years you know and you know if you compare the graphics of Minecraft uh, you know uh, with <laughs> Decentraland or Roblox you know there's like no progress at all so why should a company invest millions and you know, and a piece of land to, to do something. So maybe I'm lacking the creativity or the vision. Um, I wouldn't say, you know, that it's dead or it's for nothing. But as of now, I don't see any value yet. So this is the reason. Would you say it will, it will never come? Or are we so far away from that now? I think we are super far away from that. Mm. You know, uh, of course, you know, when, you, when, when Mark Zuckerberg, when he mm. showed his fancy advertising video about the metaverse, I was like, wow, crazy, you know. It's like a virtual space where you can, you know, work together, collaborate and all this stuff and have your own avatar. I love that. But I think we're still far away from that. Uh, you know, don't get me wrong, or the people out there, don't get me wrong. Uh, I, of course, I will take a close look at that and to see, and see how it will progress and how it will develop. But as of now, I don't see any value in that. And mm. um, maybe let us come back to the more personal stuff. So, what was maybe your biggest challenge, and maybe as well your biggest success in your life? Um, that's a very deep question. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think. Um, Maybe it answers both. Uh, I think I'm, uh, yeah, in the beginning I told you that, you know, I grew up very simple, you know, my family, we didn't, we didn't have much money and it's okay, you know, you don't need money to, to be happy. Um, but, you know, I struggle a lot with, you know, because when I compare myself with my friends, they had everything, you know, some of, or most of them, not everyone, they had a lot and, you know, I had nothing, so to say. And I always had to go one or two steps further, you know, to get what, you know, to get what mm. I want and, you know, to, to reach out and do things. So um, I'm very proud that I accomplished that, you know, and I told you about my academic works. 
So I did everything on my own. You know, I didn't need the money from my parents because they don't have any money for that. Uh, I didn't have to take a loan. You know, I just paid everything from my own cash flow, if you want, until today, until I almost uh, finished my PhD. So I think this is like my biggest achievement. I'm very proud of. And uh, also, yeah, this is the biggest challenge, you know. So at uh, one point, you know, in life, you should always ask, you know, what, what do you want to accomplish? What's your vision? You know, are you happy with just doing an uh, apprenticeship and working mm -hmm. in a bank, uh, you know, being in a branch and, you know, advise people? It's good, uh, you know, it's like no uh, disrespect. But uh, if you have something in mind, you want to achieve more, then you should, you should really know the plan how to get there. You know, it's the same with uh, DLT and, and blockchain, you know. I started by accident, so to say. And, you know, but I had the guts and the intrinsic motivation to go into it deeper and deeper and you know, to learn more, to understand more, to go to go to communities, to do networking, you know, and just to get shit done. So I think I'm very proud of that. But yeah, mm. I hope that answers your question. Yeah. Thanks a lot. And I think maybe let us deep dive even a little bit more. What would be maybe the advice for your younger self? What would you do maybe a little bit different or maybe what kind of decision was really important? Uh, I think the advice is, you know, just uh, if you want something light, mm. you should reach out, you know, and grab it. It's like a quote from very uh, one of my favorite movies. And um, yeah, you should do that. And I, I did that. So uh, uh, I think there's nothing I, I regret. Of course, if you ask me, I'm a very typical German guy. Uh, I'm very, uh, I want high security. So when I do something, you know, I will think about it like once, twice, hundred times before yeah. I do a step. So in that, I'm very, uh, yeah, socialized in this direction. Uh, but at some points uh, in life, you, you need to take risks. And I did that at, uh, uh, yeah, at some points in my life, but not as often. Maybe if I had done that, um, I don't know what I could have achieved. So I don't know. So maybe taking more risks, you know, and just doing things and not always overthinking stuff. I think I would do advise that to my younger self. But maybe what's the best way not to overthink? Because I think I would give the same advice to myself. <laughs> but I think that's a tricky point, how to structure your thinking, that you not overthink. Do you have some advice, what are you are doing maybe? Mm, definitely. No, or I'm not sure. I don't have any advice yet. So mm. I, I don't have any solution yet. Uh, I think it really, uh, maybe it's good to hang around with people who are like like-minded, mm. do the same and maybe... I don't know if you have like a brother, if you have a, your best friend doing these steps. I think the probability of adapting this behavior, this behavior, is much higher, I guess, than you know just sticking around in your own bubble, in your own comfort zone, and you know uh, sticking around with people who have your, the same mindset. So maybe to be more proactive or in approaching people who think differently than you. I think this would be a very good advice. I guess I completely agree. I think it's really important, and. I would say now we are at the end of 2022. Maybe yeah. what's your outlook for 2023 personally or in the blockchain space? Uh, well, personally, of course, you know, I hope that I will finish and pass my PhD exam mm -hmm. or my defense and, and try to work more on the academic side, you know, and to, I like really like to teach uh, young students and to work in an academic way, but also with my company, I'm very happy and uh, I want to see how we can, uh, you know, achieve more and and uh, do more and be more of service for the industry, for the financial industry. That's the one side. And um, yeah, I think these are the things. And for blockchain? 
the bias. Ethereum, <laughs> the whole space. Yeah, yeah. Are you optimistic? <laughs> um, I'm definitely op optimistic. Of course, if I look into my wallets mm. and all the stuff, it's very like deep red. Yeah. Uh, everything will be better. But if you ask me, and also I talk to some people downstairs, they ask about my opinion. Um, you know, the technology so far is fine, as I can, uh, you know, uh, I can say. And um, also with the thing with the regulation. So when regulation comes and you know, do do its job, then everything will be better. Is my strong opinion on that. So uh, I'm very bullish uh, on on the future. And of course, you know, FTX is not a good thing. You know, my best friend, you know, he he has uh, some coins on BlockFi now. He lost it and all the stuff. And uh, it's not good, but it's part of the process. You know, so. Uh, nothing can be just going up and skyrocketing, you know, you need some bumpy roads, it's very normal. So, um, um, if you ask me, FTX will, won't be the last scam or last uh, fail, uh, more uh, will be coming. And, uh, but, you know, I regard everything like as a, from a long-term perspective, so uh, I'm not worried at all, to be mm -hmm. honest. So, no the most important question, where can the people reach out to you? And maybe yeah. what kind of question are you the best guy to answer? So, yeah, I'm based here in Frankfurt and mine. And I'm working in the spaces um, soon in the Tower One building, if mm. people know. And But also you can just reach out on LinkedIn to me. I think this is like the the channel I, I'm, uh, yeah, I'm the most active. Mm -hmm. And, you know, just drop me a message, text me, and I will always find some time to have tea, coffee, or beer, or whatever. I'm always open and happy, you know, to learn, to get to know new people and to learn, you know, about their experiences. Uh, if it's life or, you know, from a business per uh, perspective, I'm always happy to, to connect. Perfect. Thanks a lot for your time. And Thank you. yeah, see you, in the, see you in the next episode. It was a pleasure. Thank you. <laughs>